think that's why it's so important to find something that you're passionate about that have some sort of this extreme personal connection with. So you can't let it go. If you let mm-hmm. it go, you're kind of letting go of yourself. You yeah. know? And that's, I think that's very important to keep in mind. Welcome to Colin Megley's Interviews with Entrepreneurs. Guys, the best time to start a business is not tomorrow. It's not next month, but it's right now. Let me help you cut your learning curve in half as I interview successful entrepreneurs and I relay their knowledge and wisdom they've learned throughout the years directly to you. Because when you learn more, you earn more. All right, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to our fourth episode. Today, I am here with Sung Kim. He is the founder and CEO of Chicken Bop, as well as a good mentor to me. He's helped me get this podcast on the gr- off the ground and really been a huge motivation to me. So thanks for coming oh, thank on, Sung. Thanks for having me, Colin. So just to start out, a uh, little background information. Um, yep. Talk about that. Well, my name is Sung Kim. As you've stated, I graduated from SOM in 2014 as a leadership and consulting and marketing major. And currently, I am the founder and CEO of Chicken Bop. Uh, so your company, Chicken Bop, could you just kind of uh, briefly explain that to the audience? Yeah, so briefly, it's the original, and I believe it's the only uh, Korean-inspired uh, New York City street food concept out there. Uh, I think I kind of just married both my personal lives of being Korean as well as a New Yorker into a single concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're currently operating at SUNY Binghamton and SUNY New Paltz campus locations with many more to come, hopefully, down the line. So not many students know that this restaurant was founded by a BU alum. How did you get the idea to start as a student? When I was a senior, uh, I went out with my friends. Uh, we used to go to the Rat all the time. That was my favorite mm-hmm. bar back in the days. So we had, you know, one too many drinks. We came back home and we kind of just realized that the food scenes at that time was very scarce, right? So reheated pizzas downtown or chicken fingers or, you know, uh, burgers back at campus at night owl. So... We, we talked about why that was and we had a nostalgic moment around, you know, back in city or Queens, every corner of street and avenue would have these street food trucks, right? Uh, food trucks where they would sell chicken over rice platters. We kind of just began to talk about it and, you know, we couldn't understand why there wasn't anything similar to that here at Binghamton. All the students like you guys are from, you know, downstate area like New York City, you know, Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island. Things that students were looking for were in this simple thing like quick extremely filling and delicious and cheap right i mean those are like four main criteria the students are looking for so um, the more we talked about it it wasn't just like a late night option for us Uh, it was like dude this is like the ideal meal that a student might want on campus so that's how the idea came to be so you took uh new york city street food but you added uh, a korean twist to it could you just kind of tell us a little bit yeah yeah i think that's what makes this venture extremely personal for me I was born and raised in Korea until I was 10 and my family moved here and we're the definition of like an immigrant family. We're the only family in my entire lineage to move to the States mm-hmm. to pursue this American dream. And we lived in the West Coast for a couple of years and uh, we moved to the New York shortly after that. But when I came, I think that's when uh, I started to have this like double identity kind of crisis where not many people know this as well, but my English name that I used to go by was Peter. So to this day, my Gmail account says Sung Peter Kim, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird but um you know for certain friend groups uh they would call me peter and the others they would call me sung this was a very chaotic time for me to adjust to because at home with my family i was speaking korean strictly that's the only language that my parents could speak at the time but uh, that was more comfortable for us having being having spoken that all our lives back in korea and 
the moment I stepped outside of my house, I was speaking English. Like, of course, like all of you guys, you yeah. know, you go to class, hang out with my friends, they all speak English, so that's what I did. I soon realized that was not the case for my other friends who were Korean, uh, who were born and raised in the States, because they would go back home and just like maybe you, you know, they would only speak English at home because that's the language that their entire family was comfortable with. And that was strange to me and extremely kind of just mind boggling. And I soon realized that, you know, this was the same case for food back at home. Just like Korea, my mom would, you know, make all these, you know, house homemade meals. And it would consist something of, you know, rice, you know, some type of soup, meat, fish, or stew in the middle. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of these side dishes called panchans, right, including kimchi. And that was my meal in and out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You probably had, what, like cereal, pancakes, and, yeah. you know, maple syrups. I mean, I had rice and kimchi every breakfast before I went to school. And probably a little bit more, you know, toothbrushing sessions just to get to class. But that was my life. And the thing is, when I came outside of my house, the accessibility for Korean food was very scarce too. So, you know, of course, I was eating burgers and fries. And mainly when I was in high school and college years, I would go to Queens and City. Only thing that I was comfortable paying for and eating was these chicken over rice platters from City and Queens. So at home, I was eating these rice and kimchi meals. And outside, I was eating these chicken over rice platters. When I started Chicken Bob, and when I started to really develop chicken bob, it was more like, how do I, how do I, and can I combine these two, you know, lives that I'm living into a single concept mm -hmm. and introduce it to my customers? That's when I think the entire business model shifted from like, less about asking what the customers might want and more about what do I want and what do I want to eat and what do I want to share with my potential customers. And I think that's when it became extremely uh, personal for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure now you can see why it's personal and, you know, it's gotten to a point where it's successfully kind of uh, combined both of the worlds that, that I know of, that I personally lived in, uh, into a single concept and a product that you know, I've created, right? There's nothing like it out there uh, as far as I'm concerned. Being able to kind of just give my all uh, and give my everything into a, a concept that I'm so passionate about and literally describes who I am like from beginning to end. Like when I was born in Korea to my high school years to my college years, I think it's like a truly a blessing and you know I think it's like a humbling experience for me uh, I can't wait to introduce it to other campuses and uh, customers out there that's awesome so you're currently in the marketplace here at Binghamton uh, as well as on SUNY New Paltz so how did you develop the business to get where it is today to be on two college campuses yeah sure um, so the way I started was just out of a drunk idea right uh, out of my house I was selling it pretty much illegally to my friends every weekend mm -hmm. Uh, right in front of him in dining hall and uh, for me i think everything kind of just took off when harvey stanger the president kind of spoke in one of my classes and uh, all i remember was thinking like okay i need to pitch this idea to him or i'm going to regret it forever it just seemed like stars are lining up a little bit for me and if i miss this opportunity i might never get it back again so i pitched it he loved it responded with uh, within an hour uh, passed me down to vice president rose he loved it passed me down to the director of auxiliary services who then was pete napolitano he liked it, passed me down to GM of Sodexo. And now throughout this process, everybody was kind of telling me, we sell chicken, rice, lettuce, and sauce in our campus already. What makes you think that your chicken and rice platter is going to do well? And, you know, I had this kind of like a frustration that they didn't understand this, like, connection, personal connection mm -hmm. that students might have with this product. So, you know, uh, they thought I was going to sell 50 platters uh, on the opening weekend, which I was already doing out of my house. So I was like, you're definitely wrong, but I couldn't tell them that. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Um, how many do you think I'm going to sell? And he said, 150. So I was like, okay, I'll guarantee you 300. And every one that I sell afterwards, I want some sort of a royalty. And he told me, if you sell over 300, we might have to talk legal with you. 
and that was an exciting moment for me and the opening weekend Friday and Saturday were supposed to open from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, we closed both nights at midnight and we sold about 550 to 600 platters wow. so huge job to Sodexo but we kept going and you know they put us into marketplace location where we're at now uh, we did 1350 the next semester the next semester we grew 1700 1800 2000 sales out of the three days uh, that we were operating for Sodexo this was a good problem at the same time they had five to six different restaurants bidding for that space because they were trying to transition out the yeah. concept that was there meanwhile I was traveling uh, while I was at Capco um, doing consulting work and my partner one and only partner Christian Co who actually was one of my best customers when I was selling it illegally he was managing chicken but full-time as a full-time student and a worker so he had a lot going on for himself and received a call from Sodexo in 2016 around April May and uh, he told me look like we have different restaurants bidding but we would love for you to take the spot and I think the story is great I think we we, we love you guys uh, students clearly love your product you know what do you say and that week I put in my two weeks notice and uh, came to Binghamton uh, went through a lot of learning curves and hurdles and uh, when we finally got to stay where we thought you know we were at a consistent enough business operating spot to mm-hmm. Expand. Uh, that's when we did, and we opened up the SUNY New Pulse location this past fall. So, where do you see this business going throughout the next few years? Mm, next Open few years, or yeah, yeah, we've we've been talking to uh, several different universities over the past few months. The plan is to continue to open them up while not just limiting myself to this market as well, because I believe what I've created is unique enough. That there is a personal connection here for me to just really drive myself to even dream bigger. I don't want to spoil anything or, you know, kind of just jinx myself, but I'm, we're definitely pushing hard on the management side just to kind of make this as big as it can be. Do you, I don't know if you can answer this, do you see it staying on college campuses or do you see it uh, ever opening up to like standalone locations? Uh, potentially. I mean, potentially. I don't know. Yeah, we've had a couple of offers coming to uh, discussions around it, but right now uh, it's always for me as one at a time. Uh, you can't really, you know, divest too much of your efforts into different things, but I know what my priority should be, and right now is to open up the next spot. So, uh, being an entrepreneur, there's obviously going to be a lot of setbacks and struggles along the journey. Uh, what have been some of your hardest struggles? Hardest struggles? Biggest setbacks. I don't think it's like a specific problem, right? I think you know, starting your own business obviously is tough, but there are things that you can manage. Mm-hmm. You know, like operations or logistics is one plus one is two. Very simple stuff, but I think every business tends to have biggest issues when it comes to I think HR aspect when you have to deal with people and I think your EQ level has to be top-notch and I think that's something that you can't gain unless you actually work with people you really don't know how to deal with them until you just develop that strenuous process of working with them um, pleasing them fighting back at the same time learning your lessons to know what they might potentially want uh, between the engagements so that's still my ongoing challenge that I'm working towards just to be a better better CEO, better founder, at the same time, better managers to my employees. I think you guys follow Gary Vee too. He always yeah. says like a great CEO works for their employees. It's not the other way around. And mm-hmm. that's something that you learn along the way. And it hasn't been sure than it is now for me, where now I'm kind of experiencing the growing pains already. As minor as they are, they're all strictly between the employee happiness or employee work culture. So those are the things that I'm taking you know, extreme measures to make sure that they're satisfied. So being in the restaurant industry specifically, it can be incredibly challenging, Oh yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, why do you think that's the case? Food's tough, man. 
Look, when you start a consulting firm, when you join accounting firm, it's numbers and, you know, you provide your brain and you get the job done. But regardless of if it's successful or not, you get paid for it, right? So, but in food, I mean, how many times back home you go out with your family to eat at the same restaurants, right? Uh, and you've been going there for seven years. You love it. But one day, I don't know, like chef, you know, his great, great aunt passed away or something like he had a stressful day. He didn't have a cigarette break and overseasons your like fish and you're like, this place fell off. You never go back. You write this one star Yelp review and they just fall apart. Like to build that brand loyalty and maintain it is one of the toughest things. Mm-hmm. Again, that goes back to like people aspect of a business, right? That is the most crucial thing in the food industry. And secondly, I think it comes with the logistics, actual logistics of like the food going bad that you got to toss it up. Knowing how much the demand is versus your supply you have the growing pains no matter what in food industry. And I think um, that definitely is the biggest challenge for a food industry. Young entrepreneurs uh, in college who are looking to start their own business, what would be your advice to them? Uh, I think proof of concept is the biggest thing. I mean, I sold chicken bob out of my room, right? Uh, to my friends. I think there was a simple joy back in the days. I was making this and people were buying it and they like it. That's all I cared about at the moment. The thing is, I couldn't dream of anything bigger at the time because that's all I knew. But as I got into school, now I'm like, hmm, maybe I could do a full-time here in school. And when I did full-time in school, it's like, hmm, maybe I could expand to another college. And when I did, now it's thinking broader and broader. And I think you can't think bigger unless you do the little things first. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the same example that I think said sometime back about, you know, it's like hiking. When you look at Mount Everest, you're like, holy crap, there's no way I could hike this. But I'm sure if nobody told you what it was and you were kind of just listening along, looking down at your feet and walking up, you might be halfway. You're like, holy crap, I'm halfway up Mount Everest. You look back and you kind of enjoy the view. And you're more excited about finishing the hike than starting it, you know. More often than not, the students that I speak with uh, on the site, not just you guys, they even give up before they even start because they think way down the line too much and they kind of just get lost in the process. And they kind of get demotivated. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think that's not the point of entrepreneurship. And I think that's why it's so important to find something that you're passionate about and have some sort of this extreme personal connection with. So you can't let it go. If you let mm-hmm. it go, you're kind of letting go of yourself. You yeah. know? And that's, I think that's very important to keep in mind. So just getting out there and just, if there's a proof of concept, just doing it. I just do it, yeah. Absolutely. Is there a specific business book that you recommend to everybody? I'm a little biased because I'm in the food industry. So I would say like Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc. He's a... The guy who made McDonald's what it is today, mm-hmm. I mean, dude got successful like past the age of fifty. You know, I mean, that shows how grit kind of makes you successful. But if there's an easier, more fun book to read, in my opinion, uh, I think Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Uh, that's probably my favorite book of all time. I read that in like a day and a half. It was incredible how Nike, as everybody knows it, just came out of his house. Him just measuring people's feet, like going to the track, running with them, and just stopping them measuring their mm-hmm. feet importing like Japanese shoes. I don't want to ruin the book for you, but to what it is today. What I love is that it shows that startup life like is not glamorous. It's just work and grinding until you make it. Definitely read that book. All right. And if you want to go ahead and plug your website, plug your Instagram. Uh, chickenbob.com without uh, the E. So it's chick, the letter N, B-A-P.com. Uh, Instagram, just look up chickenbob. It's the only one on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on there. Yeah, you got it. All right, thanks again for listening. Make sure to go check out my website, www.colinmegley.com. 
From there, you can sign up for my mailing list to receive updates on future podcasts, as well as to make sure you'll never miss a new episode. And feel free to DM me on Instagram, at Colin Megley. You can request future entrepreneurs or leave any feedback you may have. No request is too big or too small. I look forward to hearing from you and stay tuned for new updates.